We completely solved cryogenics off screen, and nobody talks about it just for this scene. What's that? On your screen. Some kind of program about a Westworld on TV. Well, it doesn't sound like anything for I'm Red Scott. And I'm Ivan Hernandez. And this doesn't sound like anything to me. The third best Westworld podcast covering the penultimate episode in what has been a season that uh, you can truly say is television. It has definitely <laughs> been broadcast into my home. That If there's one thing that you can say about this, which is not the final season of Westworld because they did renew it. Uh, yes, this was, this is definitely a TV show that is science fiction. This is a, this is an episode that even my rabid optimism and fandom for, I just got to the end. I was like, I don't, do you, don't do you, do you, did you, did you like process anything that happened this episode? Cause like, I think about this episode and I'm like, it confirms some things that I said, like just bull- bullshitting about what was going to happen. But otherwise I don't care. I still definitely care. It was just the context for everything felt so strange and forced and some of the... Doesn't feel strained. First off, I have to say, this is season three, episode seven, Past Pawn, directed by Helen Shaver, written by Gina Atwater and Denise T. I have no idea how to pronounce her last name. It's T-H-E, but an accent over the E. And And she does not have an IMDb page. Not that sure what's going on there. I'm going to let you hang yourself on your own petard on that one. (laughs) Hoist yourself. Hoist yourself. So I was interrupting you. Where – how are you feeling about this? I I feel like the problem with Westworld is that it's doing a lot of fan service for Westworld, which isn't a thing that you should do when it's your third season uh, of a show that was based on a fairly middling uh, uh, film uh, series. Like when they did the reveal of uh, uh, Clementine – like, I could tell that they were going for you. Oh, my God, it's Clementine, that lady you remember. And I was like, yeah, she was in the last season of Westworld. If you had been recording my house, you would have seen me go, oh, my God, that's Clementine, that lady. <laughs> you would have 100% got, they would have been like, we nailed this. If they were only monitoring my reaction to the Clementine penny feather moment, uh, they'd be very pleased with the results. And could, do, would you even be able to recall her last name if it hadn't been in the subtitles? Clementine Pennyfeather, of course I know her name, which is, it reminded me of some of the best parts of Westworld, where just like subtly they're doing bad A, AAA writing on purpose. Yeah, yeah, fan service. I loved it! <laughs> you are the one person who is supposed to be enjoying this uh, television series. There are 60 great seconds right up top in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I was very happy that Tao Okamoto came back. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- that was great, though. Well, listen, we are getting too uh, directly in. But before we can, we have to know what happened previously on Westworld. No, I don't want to hear the new Kid Cuddy. <laughs> You know, some guys would pay a lot of money for Tessa Thompson to crush them into dust. I'm one of them. Definitely one. Don't you hate it when your creepy crawlers take too long to bake? (laughs) Rule of genre fiction, no attractive black couple ever lives. Mm. Jeffrey Wright and Ed Harris is the battle of whether to accept your baldness or fight against it forever. (sighs) (laughs) That one hurt. That one, that one really hurt me. Listen, as somebody who, due to the positioning of my and my wife's desk, has seen a lot of the back of my head on her Zoom call camera, 
I've, I've learned some hard truths. <laughs> How did you get here, Cal? Well, I was really in demand after Breaking Bad, and that Hulu show didn't work out, so here I am on genre prestige cable. And that was previously on Westworld. There was a divergence in Japan. Actually, this is Jakarta. Oh, excuse me. Excuse yes. me, you're right, it's Jakarta, which we knew from earlier. Uh, why does every country have shitty lighting on their buildings now? Is that the part of futurism that like every country was like, we're going to cover our dumb buildings in as many LEDs as possible? Are they going to do anything cool? No. We need to be recognizable in the establishing shot on prestige television. <laughs> That's literally all it's We doing. have to stand out so that when people do a wide sweep of the entire San Francisco Bay Area that you can be like, hey, it's that building. Salesforce Tower. Yep, that, that's exactly the one. <laughs> Is there any more of an adorable standardized greeting for an entire uh, language uh, than Japanese's moshi moshi? I do like it. Is moshi moshi not the cutest, most adorable, standardized way that you can answer the phone? What you don't hear, because you never hear the other side on these calls, is the standard response is, aww. <laughs> It's so cute. Kawaii. It's so cute. So, of course, we have uh, Musashi Sato Dolores and gets a call from Charlotte Hale Dolores. Two very yeah. different Doloreses. Who apparently they do not want to put the full crispy makeup on every time. So she's just covered in shadows. Yeah, that, that, that helped them out a lot. Also, I have to imagine, even though it's coming back for a fourth season... I'd imagine the budget isn't what it was in the first season. Do you? Yeah, that, that's the thing. Do you think that they are slowly and slowly like, it, do you think that there's less budget or the fact that they have such big actors means that their rates keep going up and there's less money to spend on special effects? By the time they get to season five of their planned uh, five season arc, this is going to be a sci-fi budget level production. <laughs> Not even channel. S Y F Y baby. I mean, it's it's gonna look like an episode of Eureka. It's gonna be <laughs> very entertaining, but nowhere near as good. Yeah, listen, there's a lot of anytime that they have to do like a CGI robot, fucking uh, that that does like any flying or is in like broad daylight. I'm just like, should have put that robot in the dark. <laughs> should have put that robot in the dark. Yeah, broad daylight is definitely your enemy. Uh, we we all learned that lesson with riot control. <laughs> You're used to selling yourself. Ooh, robot slut shaming. <laughs> and the moment, speaking of fan service, my favorite moment of the entire episode was when Clementine, after approaching Sato, brushes the back of his cheek with her hand, just like she does to people entering the park in the first season. You don't have much of a rind on you. And I, I stood and clapped. I deposit, stand, I clap, I saluted. I text Jonathan Nolan and Lisa J. Joy personally and thank them for this episode. All right. Uh, so Clementine is a great example of why I never let a woman finish a long drink in front of me. The minute they have that drink up for longer than five seconds, I slap it out of their hand. We all know what's happening after this drink. I know what you're about to do. <laughs> and yeah, I, it is... A pretty cool fight scene. Like, I like the start of the fight scene with the yeah, glass. Yeah, you like, you like a cool fight scene, right? I like a As a fan, fight. do you feel serviced? I, I, I like the cool fight. I, don't say you don't like fight scenes. Listen, if, if, if this show... You enjoyed upwards of 15 Marvel movies before you got sick of them. If this show was just Tao Okamoto slicing people's heads off, I'd be like, 
Yes. Yes. They have found a show for me. But this show, you know, it's it's fucking it's it's a sci-fi show that started uh trying to be incredibly uh pretentious and like uh, uh like it has meaning and then it just became a fucking all right, we've got a sci-fi show. Something I've we've been got thinking a sci-fi show. Sci-fi show's got to get made. Something I've been thinking a lot about is how the over the top purposefully over dramatic dialogue was really aided by the setting of a LARPing AAA video game. Like, in that context, it's like, this is great dialogue, but in an actual physical world, you're like, this dialogue is not as good as I remember it being. Yeah, that, that's the thing. When everybody is supposed to be saying uh, shitty lines and they're like, oh, video games are stupid. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. But I get it. When, when everybody's saying shitty lines outside the park, it's just like, oh, the future's dumb. <laughs> I mean, the, the future's fu- badly written. <laughs> to, be, to be completely fair, the future has turned out to be incredibly dumb. Uh, here's the thing. It is dumber than any future we could possibly imagine. I, if you told me that I would be alive in 2020, I'd be like, my God, what am I, 80? And then I would have been <laughs> like, <laughs> and then I would have That's been what like, it feels like. That's what it feels like, man. <laughs> I was like, I assume there's flying cars and everybody's having a great time. And it's just like, nah, it's, it's, it's weird. Apparently a germaphobe president doesn't take a pandemic seriously. It's very I strange. Do you, can, can I tell you? There was one moment at the start of all this when I was like, you know what? He's a germaphobe. Maybe this is be the fi- maybe this will be the f- thing that finally makes him take the- e- even after all this time I was just like that's how that's how easy it is to be a white guy. Everybody <laughs> wants you to succeed so hard. So badly. It's it's so painful. We keep loosing the football no matter how many times I, I'm like, I was like, maybe his bad instincts happen to play well in this scenario. They never do. <laughs> no, no, never. Not at all. He's truly the most incompetent piece of shit that there ever was. So we we have this fight with Clementine and Sato, and uh, the samurai. Did you did you say her name? The samurai world armistice. Tao. Tao. Yeah. Right. Uh, samurai world armistice. Uh, uh, Tao, played by Tao Okamoto. I have no idea. I, I always forget what her uh, uh, character's name is supposed to be. I mean, I'm impressed. I pulled the name Armistice. It took me like 20 episodes <laughs> of this podcast until I remembered that. Uh, so I'm, my, I'm sure it's an equally difficult one. My friend was killed. Who killed him? A move away from record sales towards streaming. <laughs> That, that's the way the world is going. Listen, this is all they need to do is just do a fundraiser on Zoom and live stream <laughs> it to everybody, and then they'd make all the money back. That's what I've learned. I mean, listen, I, I do appreciate how many uh, hot female celebrities uh, bereft of their attention getting have turned to uh, Instagram lives. I still have never once watched an Instagram live. I have no idea what's happened. I just I've yell at my phone so every time Instagram one pops up. Lives. Every time, every time that there's an Instagram live going on, I'm like, yes. Yeah, the only thing that I've seen is when Goldfinger released that copy of them <laughs> playing Superman, and I loved it. It was so pick good. Could I pick it up? They did pick it up. It was, it was a great time. I had not been keeping up with the lead singer of Goldfinger, and he is, you know, aged like a human man. <laughs> you have to remember, that was about 20 years ago. Yeah, that's the thing. He actually looks good. Like, he looks like an incredibly fit and kind of fuckable Santa Claus. Like, that's <laughs> the vibe he's going for, but that's oh, not what so I think So you're of. saying that when it comes to uh, the lead singer of Goldfinger's dick, you want to pick it up, pick it up, pick it up? In fact, that was not what I'm saying. This is not an <laughs> improv class. I don't have to yes-and everything in this, <laughs> in this podcast. So we go to Dolores Prime and Caleb... 
in Sonora, Mexico, which Westworld is based off, based off of, which perhaps we knew already. I did not. Did you yeah. know that? I, 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 uh, I, you can't ask me to recall details of this show. So, so the fact that they have houses, uh, horses outside of Westworld, I was like, damn. Yeah. Well, and one thing to remember is that within Westworld, except for like the insects, the horses are robots. They're all robots. So this is the first time we have seen real horses in the show <laughs> in show <laughs> canon. These, these are real horses. I hope they were credited, the horse actors. Uh, also, I love when Dolores does the, the, the kick, kick, ho- horse noise that everyone does. I would not be able to do it. I would just yell, horse go. Horse go. Horse I'm, go fast. I'm not sure they'd listen, Ivan. <laughs> That's why we need the robot horses. <laughs> it does help out a lot. So Dolores is looking for someone to lead the revolution. And it's Caleb, the guy who just found her in an alley one day. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure where this is supposed to be going unless it is a part of a, you know, uh, a hilarious trick that's going to end up with uh, an attempt to destroy all humans. Oh, it's a, I, I don't mean, know. That's what the Lord wants. Uh, do we think that she wants to destroy all humans cuz I I I am I'm very split on whether she uh is doing all of this as a uh backdoor way to get uh Aaron Paul to destroy all humans for her because she's an asshole uh or if she is actually trying to liberate humanity from uh the so-called uh fucking uh you know fate altering uh computer intelligence. I know we're supposed to be like rooting for Dolores as sort of, you know, the the anti-hero, but I'm just going to say it's a real jerk move if somebody saves your life in an alley that you then tricked him into genociding their entire species. <laughs> Please do not get people to save you and then trick them into genocide. That, you know what that is? That's a deal breaker. <laughs> I do think that the next episode, we in the go- final episode. Right. Of this season, there's going to be a whole nother one. I'm so <laughs> We're going to get the big revelation about where Caleb's story intertwines with Dolores, and I think it will make this season make sense. I am not confident it's going to be good. Okay, so you think that there is a whole connective tissue between uh, Caleb and uh, Dolores, so it wasn't just a uh, you know weird coincidence or something that she, he happened to find her? There's actually going to be a reason I believe that there is no coincidences in a Jonathan <laughs> Nolan and Lisa Joy joint. And, <laughs> All right, fair enough. And it, I mean, it makes sense. There has to be some other aspect to Caleb's lineage to, or our backstory or history. So you think that Caleb's father might be the emperor? <laughs> I think Caleb's father might be Solomon. <laughs> By the way, still haven't watched whatever the uh, last Star Wars is. You don't know what the name of the last Star Wars is? I can't even remember the fucking name anymore. Um, I, I believe it's called Skywalkie Talkie. <laughs> That's the thing. I was like, the Skywalker's in it. It was like Skywalker's Revenge. I fucking, I don't know about the stupid shit anymore. Skywalker's hang out at a diner for 90 minutes, I believe it was called. <laughs> so uh, you think this is about you? Uh, I'm a white man, so it should be. <laughs> I don't know if it is, but hopefully it's going to be. Otherwise, I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, and did I not call it on fucking blood virus? You called it on blood virus, but I called it on blood virus. I, 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 ooh, I semi called it on Caleb being sent to fake cyber war. 
So I have to ask for you, at this moment, how confident are you that William is a host? This is this is really odd to me. They try to go back and the forth. The entire on time, the entire time, I was like, everybody knows he's a robot, and he knows he's a robot, right? I I could have sworn at some point, uh, like they were like, hey, fucking, you're definitely. A ro-. I I feel like the end of last season was like, hey, you're definitely a robot, and that whole scene with Tessa Thompson was basically meant to say, hey, you're definitely a fucking robot. But he's like, no, I'm definitely not a robot unless he's self hating. Uh, so I don't know. You would have to do some mental gymnastics to make the end of season two make sense with him not being a robot. Yeah. So I've been presuming he's a robot, but we haven't gotten any sure word in this season. Yeah, and he he absolutely believes himself to be a human being, even though it's like, well, why the fuck is your hand so crunchy, bro? <laughs> it's a great point. It's probably why they don't shoot him, because he will immediately realize that he is a robot. <laughs> exactly a bunch of milk pours out and he's like oh no i've been uh, too much iron <laughs> it is satisfying to see william realize that Stubbs is a host <laughs> i don't was pretty fun he was like I, you goddamn everywhere i enjoy william's nostalgic old-timey robot insults <laughs> you fucking can opener what is this metropolis <laughs> you goddamn toaster <laughs> get over get over here you bowflex I just love I just love them. I mean, I feel like Bowflex would be a compliment in the robot world. I mean, who it maybe or maybe it's about maybe it's a term for an Uncle Tom because you're bending yourself <laughs> to humans' needs. Look at this Peloton. <laughs> yeah, you, you just let him ride you all day and then stay in the corner. I please send me at red underscore Scott your favorite robot insults. Old timey robot <laughs> insults. Simple machines. Toasters, I love all of it. Uh, nothing civil about it. Fucking irony, man. People are like civil war, and I'm like, not so civil. It is something. Isn't the that writing they seem in the show bad? I would say that this season the writing has been bad. Yes, yes. Thank you. That's all I wanted to get you to admit. Uh, I. I do stand by that the seasons always make more sense when you get to the end of them. So I'm excited for us to do another episode by episode rewatch once it's over. <laughs> so we, we get I, Caleb's backstory throughout the episode. Um, how, how did, did you enjoy seeing a lot of Kid Cootie? I, 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 I don't know. This whole thing was, it's like eat away for kill a terrorist, eat away for kill a terrorist and fucking did, are they dropping, are they dropping fucking kinetic rods on terrorists? Uh, yeah, it seems to be exactly what they're doing. Yeah, that, uh, 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 fucking uh, this entire time I was like, what, what, what the fuck is this Call of Duty shit? This better be a fucking video game or it's going to be real stupid. And it turned out I was half right. I, I mean, it's, it's a, it has a lot in common with a video game. Yeah. Just apparently yeah. one day some, some like, douchebag made it to the head of the military and like, let's make this more like Call of Duty. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure that's, that's already happened. <laughs> What was that video game that the America's Army? Oh I was God. literally thinking of it. I was literally. I still can't believe that happened. Official America's Army video game. That people like it wasn't it great. It was not but a good peop- game, but people were into it. It definitely it had a was, following. It, it was not a good game. I played it once just because it was like 
fucking army's made a video game as a as somebody who hates the army and loves video games i have to play this i played it fucking for for like 10 minutes and i was like this is incredibly dumb and and, and fucking bad i cannot believe the taxes that i was not paying at the time went to this it, it was very surreal i remember finding out a while later that like it did have a following and people were into it and it kind of worked for its purpose and i was like i hate this yeah, yeah, no, that that's why fucking you always see uh, gamers very malleable and uh, prone to violence, uh, uh, which is why they should be illegal. Right. Video games are bad. Video gamers are bad. Games are bad. Video gamers are bad. Eventually, they start off fine, but by season three, the dialogue's terrible and people are <laughs> making more morally questionable choices. So how do you feel about... Drone sniper? About drone sniper? <laughs> The drone gun. I love okay. th- this was honestly one of my favorite moments. And I feel like it's gonna be parodied. It's almost like fridge nuke level, over the top ridiculous, and how much time they spent focusing on it. I have always advocated for genre characters to simply kill all of their enemies with a high powered sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. So this was great for me. It's perfect. And also the problem is that they miss sometimes, and the, the drone really takes the question marks out of that part. Uh, yeah, I love it. It was just like, pew, 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 pew. Fucking, oh, oh okay, uh, uh, full team kill. It, it was very silly, and I was like, my 12-year-old self would have loved this, and so I kind of loved it. <laughs> and that's it. Isn't, isn't this show kind of like a, a, a fucking, it, it feels like it should be a, a, a show for like 12-year-old boys to ingest uh, uh, in like a, a crappy dime store paperback form? Like, doesn't this feel like it should be the novel Westworld by Michael Crichton. Are, are Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy at the tail end of a sort of flowers for Algernon experiment <laughs> where they're just slowly losing their ability to make compelling prestige fiction? <laughs> uh, I can't wait to hear about the rabbits in the next season. So Caleb has flashbacks to being inside of the building in Sonora. And of course, Randy Bob's predecessor. Mm-hmm. Solomon. Solomon. Oh, somebody never needed to solve a baby dispute, huh? (laughs) I mean, of course, that's how his solution is going to end up. Everybody's going to get half of a baby. We all knew that up top. (laughs) Speaking of babies, can we talk about Snowpiercer television show for a second? Okay, buddy. Buddy, they have been trying to make the Snowpiercer television show. Why? For years now. Who? It, it was supposed to be on TNT, then it was moved to TBS, and then it moved back to TNT. That's how long the Snowpiercer television show has been in development. You're going to ask me, why are they making a Snowpiercer television I show? I am! I don't know! I don't know why they would possibly make a Snowpiercer television show when, as much as I love the movie, it did not do well because it was intentionally hampered by being handled by a fucking terrible rapist who's now in prison. Uh, fucking, it, it, I don't know why this is happening, but I, the whole time I'm like, Jennifer Connolly. I spent half an hour coming up with questions that I had unanswered at the end of Snowpiercer, and it was just how long <laughs> did they sous vide the baby to get it so tender? <laughs> Listen, you got to get that baby in that fucking uh, uh, water, and you got to make sure that it's all underway. You can't have a little bit of that baby sticking out whatsoever. And it was like, David Diggs, why? Why would you agree to this? Fucking. I- 
But, buddy, the entire thing is one of those things that feels like it, uh, it should be, like, named, a, 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 like, after the producer's, like, it should be named, like, producer's folly. Yeah. Is yeah. this, actually, dude, this is the most springtime for Hitler-ass TV show. <laughs> Honestly, this has been, like, I, I, I think that they already gave it a second season because of one of those, no. like, we've put so much money into this, we have to keep going situation. Like, literally, that, like, you look up the fucking, this is one of those times where I'm like, absolutely read the production history section in the Wikipedia. <laughs> There's nothing fucking funnier than reading the production history. I, having it go from TNT to TBS and then back again that's the part that kills me they were like tnt was like all right we can't handle this anymore it's going to tbs and tbs was like this isn't this isn't this isn't uh still funny or whatever their fucking stupid uh, catchphrase is and they fucking slapped it back to tnt well i hope david diggs got paid a lot because the gifts from this tv show are going to follow him around for the rest of his life forever so System standard greeting is exactly how Red starts every podcast with me. <laughs> it what this is one of my least favorite tropes is that you have a superhuman, literally artificial intelligent, capable of predicting every possible future, maintaining in its head at the same time, and also emulating the speech pattern of any person on the planet at any moment. And then when it talks to you, it has to say system standard greeting, which only makes sense if it thinks that is deeply funny. That is the only part I like about this robot. The fact that the robot is like, hey, hi, humans. (laughs) I'm just imagining it, you know, because, of course, it can process it a billion times faster than our our normal speech patterns. It's like texting all the other superhuman AIs at the same time. It's like, listen listen to this bit I'm going to (laughs) do. Hey, Deuce, get a load of this. (laughs) But you skip past... Chekhov's EMP. <laughs> Why is there a massive EMP it's just sitting here? I mean, we, we've never heard anything about it. Do, do you think somebody's going to do something with it by the end of this episode? <laughs> uh, we're not alike in any meaningful way. When somebody tries to claim any solidarity whatsoever with me, that's my first response. We are not alike in any meaningful way whatsoever. This AI is so offended when Dolores says she's like him. Just <laughs> furious. It, it, completely unacceptable to it. So Solomon choosing Caleb's voice is creepy. You should have known that because he can predict the future. He could have known how he was going to react. He still did it because he found it funny. Nah, instead, we get default default system light French accent. I, there are a lot of specific lines in this episode that made me cringe. The number one line that I was like, no, how did you, is an insane AI? Yes, that is exactly the part where she was like, he had schizophrenia, which makes him not a normal human being. He's not a normal human being, and we cannot treat him as such. Well, Also, he is an artificial intelligence, so that makes him a very strange human being. Like, <laughs> we, did, we did not need to add the schizophrenia layer. I, I, I thought that was in poor taste. Yes, as did I. So they reestablish that the Westworld biometric data was necessary for the supercomputer. We knew that. I don't think any of us really care at this point. They, this was this was a lot of filling in holes that like people didn't care about needing filling. And 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 maybe it, maybe it'll matter later. But also, it felt like they had made that pretty explicit up until now. 
Yeah. There are moments in this season where I feel like somehow they got the network note that people were overly confused by the second season. And they like, we have to repeat every piece of information three <laughs> times during the season. And it's like, no, I'm used to watching this show insanely closely because I know you're just going to drop it in and in an aside and it's going to be important seven episodes later. <laughs> uh, Command says we're not supposed to talk to him because they never scripted his lines. And also because Enrico Colantoni is the most terrifying insurgent of all time. <laughs> so you were scared of Enrico Colantoni in this? I was literally like, why'd they get Enrico Colantoni for this bit part? I think he does that. I mean, if you, if you watch any documentaries on bosses, like one of the things they do is like show their power by being soft and doughy and wearing ill-fitted suits. <laughs> and yet still they're impervious to everything. Like, I feel like, like the, like the boss baby. <laughs> did not see where that was going <laughs> but i feel like it's it's the longer they've been in charge when they obviously could not beat up anybody in a fight anymore the more impressive and terrifying they are <laughs> and he just he has that voice when he when he talks quietly i'm like uh i'm gonna die very soon i'm gonna die based on something that he put into plan into his plans 30 seconds ago uh i i just feel like he's already got one over on me immediately <laughs> And of course, they snuck in a "Just Shoot Me" reference by Enrico Colantoni. What? What was the reference? He got shot. That was the reference. Ivan, they shot him. Enrico Colantoni, who was in "Just Shoot Me," a television show on NBC, starring David Spade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Laura Sangiacomo. That, that's the one. Yeah, Wendy Malick. Great Wendy Malick. It was one of the more entertaining moments of this episode. <laughs> the Ciroc video hologram that he made for his brother post-brainwashing uh, is not very convincing. <laughs> well, he's like, hey, brother, welcome back to the regular world now that you're no longer insane. If I was his brother, I think my reaction would still be, I'm certain brainwashing bad. No, thank you. <laughs> Not pleased with this video. Yeah. Uh, these predictions would not fit the data, so the data had to change. They fucking stuck all these jerks in deep freeze. They, the, so they have the basement of frozen outliers, of course reminiscent of the basement under the park, full of the hosts mm -hmm. who've been put on ice, uh, which I believe is the phrase they used to describe it in the first season. Mm -hmm. And... It's real weird, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, are they supposedly cryogenically frozen? They imply that they're still yes. alive, that they could, like, press a button, and I suppose it's the future, and you could have longevity caskets. It's a big part of a lot of sci-fi uh, in, in literature, I, but... I love when they have to invent an entirely successful other form of science in a science fiction TV show to be able to pull off one dumb plot idea. It's like, all right, guys, we completely solved cryogenics off screen and nobody talks about it just for this scene. Yeah, it seems like it'd be a pretty big deal, guys. <laughs> and it is, yeah, I assume they were dead until they said they're neither alive nor dead. And I was like, what was that last part? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. They're in, they're in caskets. But mm -hmm. I, I guess they're just cryogenically paused. Mm -hmm. So Caleb was an outlier, and we learned that the outliers were used to round up the rest of the outliers after Caleb and Francis came back from war. 
And we also learned that the Rico app is for outliers, which means Marshawn Lynch is an outlier, which is all I care about. <laughs> all right. So it turns out that the war was real. Yes. And so was Kid Cuddy. Yes. But his death had different circumstances. His death had different circumstances. And also they did reconstruct his buddy entirely and make it a AI to like call him and try and keep his spirits up when he had murdered that guy. Yeah, what was the point of that fucking stupid AI anyway if they were like, hey, you murdered your friend uh, and we covered it up. Uh, fucking... What was, what's the point of this show? <laughs> I, what's this show trying to say? I, <laughs> I don't know about that specific part, Ivan. What's this show trying to tell me? I, I thought I knew what it was trying to tell me in the last two seasons, but this entire last season has just, it feels like they're trying to improv their way out of the multi-season contract that they got themselves into. <laughs> I, it, I mean, I do think that you come back, it makes sense that you come back for more and they're like, okay, you need to see a therapist. And like, we have this AI program and studies have shown it makes sense if it's somebody that was close to you. So let's use your friend Francis. And he, and then he, as a person who is not an actor, would say, yes, my friend Francis, who I did not murder. <laughs> that part makes sense to me. But I, I assume there's some greater point they're trying to get at. But mm-hmm. I don't uh, know. Intelligence observed only for humans. Arguably, we've wasted it. Yeah, we, we have not yeah. done a lot of it. I mean, you could argue we have consciousness. Do we have intelligence? Ah, that's the thing. I can't really say that we can, can we? <laughs> no, I mean... I, I, I even we're, we're not even more intelligent than people or than things that are less conscious because they I, at least are just living their lives. I feel like an orangutan is significantly happier than me. Significantly happier, possibly more intelligent. The possibly more intelligent. Definitely smells stuff. better. For for certain, better been, sense of hygiene has been outside more recently. A lot recently. more personable. <laughs> Stronger. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Much more interested in working out. <laughs> So, Caleb and Francis talking to uh, Enrico Colantoni, he represents the pharmaceutical company that helps make the voluntary brainwashing drugs. Uh, I love the million to turn on me. That, that's always a fun standoff game where they start not trusting each other. I think the supercomputer was smart to not let Enrico talk to either of them. So, Ivan, I have to ask, what is your number to turn on me and murder me for the Rico app? All right. I I want you to know that you just blanked out on the connection for the last 30 seconds. So the last thing you just said to me was, how much money would it take for you to kill me? And I was going to say the same thing. And <laughs> I I do want to say, unfortunately, it's not that much. Buddy, come <laughs> on. Guys, if you got like five grand together, no. I would literally, like, not even with airfare included. Ivan. If you got me five grand, airfare not even included, I would literally armbar red to death. You do not touch those Patreon rewards. <laughs> Listen, guys, if we get up to 5000 nope. a month, I will spend the rest of my life eternally murdering a simulation of red over and over again inside of the deuce simulation. Well, I would never murder you unless it became obvious that you were going to kill me and then I'd kill you before you killed me. That's, <laughs> That's the problem. That's the problem. You're like, Ivan's looking real murderous right. today. Is today the day? And I'm just like, I'm a hungry and stone. If you're going to murder your friend, you have to remember not to mean mug him while slowly reaching for your gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I'm just constantly slowly reaching for things so nobody can tell. <laughs> so we cut from there to Maeve 
all black, in a katana, very Trinity Matrix vibes. All right, and and that's the thing about this show. It has gone from a show where it was, like, trying to, like, say something about, like, philosophy and the intersection of, like, humanity and technology, and, like, now it's a show about hot ladies trying to kill each other. I don't think it's unreasonable to let them have a big choreographed fight scene in the penultimate episode of a season. I just, for whatever reason, didn't find it terribly satisfying. Yeah. Also, fucking, I, I love Katana's. In the future, they're not the weapon that they're not the most sensible weapon. But you have to be able to cut people's heads off. That's the thing. If you want to cut people's heads off, Katana's fucking great. It's, it's Katana great. does great shit. So Caleb is supposed to get the new plan from Solomon. This doesn't make any sense, especially when it goes like, which strat? Solomon asks, which strategy? And Dolores says, the final solution. I mean, make it like Westworld. Put them on a train. I mean, kill them all. I mean, oh! It just gets worse and worse. It doesn't sound great when she's literally, she almost literally says the final solution. She says the last solution, which I feel like somebody should have read that and been like, let's, let's come up with a previous, a different term. It's hit the thesaurus, guys. Yeah. So Dolores and Maeve have that mind conversation, which is always going to be unsatisfying. Like, of course they would talk that way. And if I was reading a book, I'd be like, this is awesome. They're talking with minds. They don't even need their dumb human mouths. This is rad. Um, <laughs> but seeing it play out visually, less impressive. Aren't, aren't there so many, like, concepts that, like, when you're reading a science fiction novel, yes. you're like, oh, man, that's so cool. I'm imagining that in my head. It looks awesome. And then when they finally adapt it and put it to screen in the most literal way possible, you're like... Oh, science fiction's dumb. I, I should this. read. I should read Elena Ferrante. <laughs> I could not get into Elena Ferrante. I've tried like four times. Apparently, the show's bad. Apparently, the show's bad, and the books are good. Oh, I would never watch the show. <laughs> I do not watch adaptations, Ivan. <laughs> you don't watch adaptations, and you don't watch reboots of adaptations. Never, not even once. So William, uh, Armand, and Stubbs. William pledges to kill them all. Does he know he's old and frail and they're superhuman? <laughs> kill me now or I'll kill you later. That's the attitude I take into most of my relationships. It's not a great start on Tinder from what I hear, but I... <laughs> <laughs> That's my opening line. If and you've made I, it work honestly, for you. It's gotten me shot a few times. <laughs> <laughs> that seems appropriate. Yeah. I would stay away from that. Yeah, And this, again, this reads... Like, William is so dismissive of these hosts, and it makes sense that he would have that attitude, having owned this company for 30-some years, but the host should just kill him. The host should absolutely just kill him. Unless he's actually a host. In which case, they're like, we're keeping you around, because this is going to be good. That's the thing. He's fucking, when's he going to realize he's a robot? I, he's, he's something. I'm very, I'm very ca- curious. I want people to tell me, do they think... Caleb is a robot, and do they think William is a robot? Uh, one, other, or both? Because we're going to find out at least one of them is next next week. I mean, honestly, if one of them is not a robot, I'm going to be very upset with this season. Uh, show me your phone. The ultimate gambit. <laughs> that, I was like, so many relationships have ended that way. <laughs> exactly. That is the true moment. That's the moment of truth for every relationship. Whether you slide that thing over, or you're like... I've got a very important appointment today in the devs' offices. I cannot show you my phone. During the NFL draft, uh, which was done entirely on their own weird, terrible cameras, uh, they showed a prospect who was about to get drafted. 
And he had two phones, presumably because he had one specifically for general managers and stuff who might draft him. And at one point, he was working on that one, and his girlfriend, who was sitting next to him, just slowly grabs his other phone while they're on camera. And then she almost gets it to the point where she's looking at it, and then he notices and grabs it the fuck out of her hand. Oh, that's that's beautiful. Because listen, you know that that guy has the text, uh, the text that you can see on the lock screen. There were so many moments in that NFL draft that were very cute and human. My favorite one. First of all, the fact that that's what Bill Belichick's living room looks like. Amazing. Yeah, it looks like the living room that Walter White would have had at the beginning (laughs) of the show. It looks like a chemistry teacher's New Mexico living room. Also, that that one guy who was living in the fucking parasite house. (laughs) Incredible. But and, And yes, so there was... The husky, at one point it cut to his house, and it was just his that dog. That shot of the husky just staring at that laptop was beautiful. I hate sports, and I'm not a fan of Bill Belichick as a human being. That husky was number one for me, baby. And right after they announced the pick had been made, he came back into, Bill Belichick came back into the room and gave the dog a treat. Oh! It made no sense. But there was several people who, like, they did stories about the player and their parents, uh, but they had no way to talk at the same time. So they were sharing earbuds, talking <laughs> to the guy. It was very cute. It was a very cute NFL draft. I just got to say, all the fucking ads that are coming out these days that are Zoom ads are fucking killing me. <laughs> so Solomon and Caleb. Robots be out here making us kill our favorite rappers. It's, it, I did not see that coming for Kid Cootie. This is. I still want to know the story of all the... Of all the celebrity cameos in this episode. (laughs) Uh, They stopped caring, so they were just like, who wants to be on Westworld? The most satisfying part, so the beginning fight, the first minute, I liked the, and this fight, that it ends with Dolores losing a lib. I intellectually understand that they can reprint bodies, but it doesn't stop it from being incredibly creepy. Yeah, when her arm fucking exploded, I was like, god damn. They yeah, it exploded Evan Rachel Wood's arm. That was a satisfying way to end the fight. And the fact that it took me a second to realize that Dolores was going to hit Chekhov's EMP <laughs> made me feel mad about how dumb I was. <laughs> yeah, fucking, uh, uh, he, he can't save you now. EMP. I mean, also, that now that we know that's an option, there's got to be a lot of EMPs just all over the place now. That's got to be a common <laughs> thing. Listen, that's that's how it works in video games. Once you finally get the power up that you, was being lorded over you the entire game, there's a billion other power ups afterwards. You can use them constantly, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and for the most part, it doesn't have any drastically negative effects on humans. So that seems like a quick just walk into any room, hit the EMP yeah. button, it, and continue it, it, on with the meeting. Yeah, it basically proceeded to do nothing to the humans. Even though I'm pretty sure that if you're very close to a, a detonated electromagnetic pulse, uh. Y- it, it it does affect you? I mean, it would probably also kill everybody with a pacemaker. I'm not sure about yeah, that. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, there's going to uh, be some uh, side effects. Also, fucking, well, she detonates an EMP, and the hard drive that has the plan is still okay? I mean, it, it could be a... Well, wait, they detonate the EMP, and it's above ground, so it fucking doesn't penetrate to the lower levels. Don't and try and use actual EMP logic. The entire, they didn't kill every single person who was on ice in the basement. I mean, presumably it's not on magnetic media, so it, it doesn't matter. It obviously no. didn't. It was a shielded hard drive, Ivan. Did you tell that from <laughs> looking at the LED lights? Uh, we really needed that part uh, to be made explicit in the dialogue. <laughs> 
I really needed Devin Rachel Wood to be be like, and make sure you pick up the shielded hard drive. So I'm obviously not both Dolores and Maeve are dead. So they're going to just wake up somewhere in the next episode. Neither of them are dead. Are you kidding? How much, how hilarious would it be if this show ended without Evan Rachel Wood or Danny Newton? But also, I mean, presumably it doesn't, I I have no idea. Do you think it kills the supercomputer? And if not, why didn't they just have an off switch? (laughs) Yeah, I I guess it doesn't kill the... It might. Because, well, the big supercomputer... Yeah, I guess it was dead. Presumably. But then it Yeah, then it can't bring all of those people back? I yeah, I mean, I feel like the life support systems for all those people are going to be a problem. I don't yeah, think that, the way that cryogenics work is when you turn the systems off, everybody just comes back to life. <laughs> no, it's a pump. <laughs> they have to keep pumping ice. There's just one guy with a hand crank inside of a room just cranking it out. You, If I remember correctly from all of the sci-fi movies I've seen, usually you have to pump in a gel-like Listerine substance <laughs> that they need to emerge from naked and then gasp for breath. Uh, yes, we've all seen Austin Powers. I, I was I was actually thinking of Demolition Man. <laughs> Three shells, baby. So the last scene... We have a bombed-out gas station. I don't know why I keep forgetting. Lab to slab. I fucking love it. I love that billboard. I, it's a very, I like that billboard a lot, too. I keep forgetting that society is falling apart. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, they, it, it, fucking apparently everybody found out their data and just went apeshit. It's literally the meme. Everyone was tired of being nice, and they wanted to go apeshit. So they did. Yeah. So it's Stubbs, Armand, Delgado, and William. William finds... A shotgun. They, they, I just wanted to focus on fixing that old car. That seemed like a fun time. One of us is the only human here. And I was like, but bro, you a robot. Yeah, bro, you a robot. And also, what if, what if he's right? What if it turns out that Stubbs is actually a human? He's been faking this whole time. <laughs> See, this is why you never let Ed Harris pee. Or he'll pull a gun on you. I, that's the first thing my parents taught me about Ed Harris. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, this episode ends with him pulling a... A gun on them. I, again, I feel like and they are superhumans. They can take a shot. Yeah. It's a less fatal threat than he thinks it is. Yeah. The, the show continues to exist. Just, yeah, there's a, at least one more episode plus another season that's going to happen. Do, do you think that it's, oh, 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 or do you think it's one of those trick seasons that they announced to throw everybody off? Has that happened before? That would be a good device. I know that they did that for the Walking Dead comic book where they solicited like five issues past the point where where it ended because they wanted to do the surprise we ended the entire series because fucking wow. Robert Kirkman was sick of it. How was that received? It was actually received pretty well because most people had kind of like gotten tired of the Walking Dead comic by then. It was like at 180 something issues. I can't imagine just being like, this is a real ass issue. <laughs> like just going through it and <laughs> just being like, done. No more. That's literally what happened. <laughs> That's why. Did you have that experience or did you hear about it before you watched or I, read it? I, I heard about it because I had stopped reading The Walking Dead about five years ago. Right, because it's a comic book. Yeah, it's a stupid comic book. I don't care about <laughs> these fucking zombies. Right. We only watch the Criterion channel. <laughs> Criterion channel, baby. That's me. And, and read William Shakespeare. That's all <laughs> I do with my life. Uh, the Bard. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is one of my favorite terms <laughs> nothing i love more than calling him the bard there's nothing that reveals both that you're a nerd and annoying 
than calling William Shakespeare the bard. Listen, I love to tread the boards while speaking the wise words of the bard. That's, that's one thing that everybody needs to know about me. <laughs> well, that is the end of Season 3, Episode 7, Past Pawn. There's only one episode left. Next, it's so weird. This has been such a fucking weird season of television. I honestly, also, when the fuck are they going to make this season? <laughs> this next season, it was already gonna We're be not going to be two get years. This season until twenty twenty two. Yeah, I mean that. Well, first off, that would be normal. All yeah. the last season would. We're probably not going to get it till twenty twenty three because they're going to be delayed in production by not being able to meet. This, and also, given the fact that who was it? Amazon Prime gave them like $150 million to ignore this. <laughs> it's going to be the shortest final episode, season of a fucking prestige cable drama ever. They should just bring in the writers from Parks and Rec. They killed that last season. That's good at a time. And also, more believable and fun future. <sighs> Next weekend, we are going to re- be releasing the episode on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So it'll be up right, Which- right when you're ready. I do not regret my decision to reclaim my weekends. I I was absolutely right in being like, this show's not going to have anything important enough happen that we have to record it the night of anymore. I still like this season as a whole. I do want to say that. Like, it, this episode just came in soft. This is the first one that I was viscerally disappointed by. And it seems like normally you don't want that to be the penultimate episode. <laughs> Nobody wants to be incredibly disappointed by the second to last episode of your television season. But we're going to watch episode eight, and it's going to be all made right, buddy. I can feel it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can find us on Twitter at Boys Gore Swords. If you want to throw us a few bucks, we are obviously going to be going back to the Boars Gore and Swords feed mm-hmm. after this television show is over and covering all sorts of stuff. I'm, I'm so excited to talk about Tales from a Loop, buddy. <laughs> I can't wait for you to get another uh, prestige television show about determinism in your craw. Patreon.com slash Swords. You can find us on Twitter at Swords. You can find Ivan on Twitter at Ivan underscore Hernandez. And you can find Red on Twitter at Red underscore Scott. Bye. See ya.